Well, it's nearly Christmas. So uh, I'm doing a Christmas talk today, and I'm going to talk about naming the baby born to be king. And uh, I mean, there's something really special about choosing the name of a new baby, isn't there? You know, for any parents that are here, the agonies that we go through, what name are we going to call our children that they're going to have for the rest of their lives? All kinds of things inspire us in choosing names. It could be a family name, a name that's gone down the generations like Alfred, Alfred the Great, and then Alfred the Less Great, and (laughs) Alfred the Awkward, or... So there's family things that come into the play. There's cultural things. There's celebrities. Lots of people are calling their children after various different celebrities. Pixie lot. Pixie, any pixies? That's, that would be a, a very cool name to have. Um, and, and otherwise, it's, it's the baby naming books. You know, you, you look at all the meanings of the names, and then you, there, there's got to be some kind of prophetic meaning, some profound meaning to the names. Um, so, any idea what the most popular boy's name was for 2019? It was Mohammed. So, that was number one. And <laughs> Mohammed has been in the top ten for ten years now. And any idea about girls? Girls' name for last year? Olivia, yes, is number one. Number one and also has been in the top ten for many years. For those expectant parents thinking about next year, wanting to get ahead of the trend, um, I'll give you this for free. It's going to be Rob. Uh, That is going to be 2020. It's such a flexible name. It can be Rob. It can be Robbie. It can be Robert. It could be Roberta. Berta. It's such a flexible name. So there you go. I'm just giving you that for free. Think about Rob if you're expectant. Uh, before we got married, Alice and I thought we had it all sewn up. Uh, we thought we were going to have four children. Uh, it was going to be two boys and two girls, and boys first and then girls. And we had names for all of them. We decided their character and their personalities. <laughs> but then we discovered that this is not such uh, an exact science, and we've ended up with two rather than four, and none of the names that we chose for them have we used. And we're still wondering about the rest of the children that we foresaw. They haven't yet arrived, and I don't think it's likely to happen, certainly if Alison has any say in it. Uh, so, But the weird thing is about children, you assume you're going to know them. You know, when you meet them for the first time, and, and as they grow up, you're going to assume that you already know each other, and then you find out that they have their own personalities, their own characters... And all you get to do as parents is name them. And uh, so we haven't been very successful so far on that, other than the naming of our children. We weren't able to predict much more than that about them. Uh, The prophet Isaiah, thankfully, was a bit more accurate with his predictions. It was like 800 years before it happened that he predicted where Jesus would be born, the family that he would be born to, and all the names and the titles that he'd be known by. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 800 years before it happened. He also predicted a whole lot of other stuff about Jesus too, but as it's Christmas, we're just going to stick to these things for now. Um, So I'm going to talk to you today from Isaiah chapter 9, if you'd like to turn that to that, or it'll come up on the screen anyway. And Isaiah chapter 9 starts with talking about the birth of this new king that will sit on David's throne, a king 
he'll be coming like a great light sent into the world to dispel the darkness. A king whose coming would bring great joy. There'll be no more gloom. No more gloom. That's what Isaiah says. Because as the light dawns on people, they'll find joy and great rejoicing. He says it's the kind of joy like you get when you bring in the harvest. That's what he says in verse 3. Like the kind of joy people get when they win a great victory in verse 4. Like the kind of joy new parents get when their baby is finally born and is lying in their arms, verse 6. And it's this baby that then is the main focus of the rest of this passage and the joy that Isaiah foresees that he will bring. It's all about joy. It's all about joy. The coming of Jesus is about great joy. So the angel says to Mary and Luke, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus is literally joy to the world. And I want you to know this today, that God is all about joy, because I didn't always know this. You know, when I was young, growing up, I used to think that God was mostly serious, stern, and probably angry, except at Christmas. He seemed to be happier at Christmas, and there were presents and all that kind of thing. But mostly, I pictured him a bit like my maths teacher, who was often angry, especially at me, because I always got it wrong and for the most part didn't understand what was expected of me. But this isn't true. I'm so glad to say the good news is that God is not like any of my maths teachers. He is about joy. He is about joy. Even in his presence, the Bible says, there is fullness of joy. People laugh when God's around because there's something so joyful about his presence. And he is really good news. God and Jesus is really good news. He's good news for us. He's good news for the whole world. And it's all because of this baby born to be king, who he was and what he came to do. So the rest of this passage in Isaiah chapter 9, which I'm just going to read to you now, tells us about this baby born to be king. So verse 6 goes like this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so this is what Jesus came to do. Isaiah's startling claim, the government will be on his shoulders, meaning that this king is more than a baby in a manger. He's more than an intriguing historical figure. He's more even than a miracle worker. But this baby was born to be king and born to rule. And I think that's really good news at the beginning of a week where we have an impossible election. You know, elections and governments and world leaders, they will come and go. But God has a plan for the whole world, not just for today, but throughout all time and even into eternity. And Isaiah tells us in verse 7 that the greatness or the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
there will be no end, which means that there's going to be a lot more joy and goodness to come into the world because of what Jesus started. You do know that, don't you? It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better because of the advance of his kingdom and joy. There's going to be a lot more to come. And the rule of God is one of peace, not war, which tells us the kind of kingdom that he's going to bring. And how is he going to do this? How is God going to make this huge impact on the world? Verse 7, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And that's because God is absolutely committed to seeing all of this through. He's not giving up yet. (laughs) There's so much more to come. This is the big picture of all that Jesus came to start and do. And he came with this powerful message, repent everyone, change the way that you think because the kingdom of God is here. And these were not just words of a new philosophy or idea, they came with powerful demonstrations, foretaste of what this kingdom was like. Jesus' arrival meant that all kinds of things started to get put right. So the deaf received their hearing. The blind, they're seeing. The premature dead were raised. Demons stopped oppressing people and fled. All these things signaling the kind of kingdom that came with this king because Jesus came to sort things out and to put things right. I mean, isn't that the kind of government that we need? Isn't that the kind of king that we long to see? And even as we look to vote this week, and I hope you are going to vote, it's important that you do, I think this is the reason why none of us can be entirely convinced or satisfied. We know that there is a greater king coming, uh, and we know of a kingdom that is increasing, which we long to see brought to us. And so the cry of our hearts must be, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. But there'll come a day when his kingdom will fully come. But until that day, we are to pray and to carry on the work he has begun, to heal the sick, (laughs) to preach good news and set people free. And already we have seen so much. There is so much to be encouraged about. Even this year in the church, we've heard stories and rumors of miracles. Wonderful. But there's so much more to go for. There's so much more to come. There's so much more darkness to be dispelled. So much more injustice to be overturned, which is what Jesus came to do. And all these things are possible because of who Jesus is. Who he is. And so Isaiah goes on to describe this king and he gives him these four awesome titles, titles that could only be given to Jesus. Isaiah says that he is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. I want to just explore these titles with you. Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor. And this word wonderful it's much mightier, it's, sorry, weightier than the, the way that we use the word wonderful. We say wonderful about just about anything. We say things are wonderful, things that just please us, or things that are, are lovely, or things that are a bit likable. We say they're wonderful. This, but this word literally means it's incomprehensibly wonderful. 
It's not even, we can't even grasp what it means. It's such a big word. It's beyond our understanding. Wonderful. And Jesus is wonderful in a way that is mind-boggling, mind-boggling and inexplicable. It speaks of his transcendence, this word. It speaks of his otherness, his superiority over all things. His name, you see, is above every other name. He is the creator, not the created. He is outside of creation and beyond our understanding. But that's not even his full title. He's the wonderful counsellor. He's both of these things. Now, we think of the word counselor as somebody we go to with our problems. But Jesus is more than that. He's more than that. We can do that. We can go to him with our problems. But he's more than that. The word counselor in ancient Israel was used of royal authority. It was used of the king's ruling to his people in a dispute. His words were more than the advice of a friend because they had the power to become law. When this king speaks, things change. What he commands has to happen. His word goes out and he doesn't return to him void. That's the kind of counsellor that we've got. His words were commands that righted the wrongs and brought justice. Don't we need a whole lot more of this kind of counsel in the word today? Anybody getting excited or is it just me up here? A wonderful counsellor is the name of his baby born to be king. Number two, he's the mighty God. Isaiah makes it very clear that the one who sits on David's throne is both fully human and fully God. Jesus is the man who is God. He is Emmanuel, God, meaning he is God with us. God as man means that he is fully identified with us. He knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to feel pain, to get hungry, to sweat, to face rejection and disappointment, to be tempted and opposed. He understands that. He, he is God with us, meaning that he's not distant and aloof, sitting up there in some far-off mystical land, out of reach and out of touch. Rather, he is God with us. He is God close to us. He is God amongst us. He is God who is interested in us. He is a God who wants to be intricately intricately involved in our lives. I felt like some of you needed to know that today, (laughs) that God is with us. You know, he is with you in whatever you're going through at the moment, whatever challenges you're going through. His promise is that I will never leave you. I am completely for you and I am not against you. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that today. He's for you and he's not against you. But he is also mighty, mighty God. And there's been many translators debating over this title, but the essence of it is that he's hero. He's hero God. He's super God. (laughs) How many depictions of Jesus have you seen like that over the years? Superman Jesus. You know, almighty God, strong and powerful, not meek and mild as a baby, weak and frail on a cross, not beaten, not hanging on for dear life, hoping that just somebody might believe in him or contribute 10 pounds to the church jumble sale. 
What kind of depictions of Jesus do we see all around us? Sometimes when you hear people talk about Jesus, especially in the media, you think that that was the case, that God is looking on, seemingly overwhelmed by the problems of the world, too gentle to make his presence known and too powerless to act. No, God isn't weak. He's not weak. He's just patient. And you don't want him to show up right now. Almighty God. Jesus showed us how powerful he was in that no sickness could resist him. The wind and the waves had to obey him. No demon could defy him. No one could kill him because he had to lay down his life in order to die. And when he died, the grave could not hold him. And when he rose, gravity was no match for him. When he ascended, he was lifted high, so high that he now has a name above every other name. Because there he is now seated at the right hand of God on the throne where he now reigns undefeated until the day of his return when all that is in heaven will come to earth and his kingdom will come and forever be established and at that time every knee will bow and every tongue confess every wrong put right every sickness dispelled Death will ultimately be defeated under his lordship and reign. Almighty hero God. Jesus, the hero and the savior of all mankind. Don't we need a king like that? Don't we need a God like that in our lives today? Doesn't the world need to hear about a king who reigns like that? Amen? This king is called Almighty God. Thirdly, he is the everlasting Father. I find this an incongruous title for a baby at Christmas. (laughs) But this is because Jesus is God, which means that who he is and always will be is primarily the Father forever. You see, Jesus is the exact representation of his Father. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus showed us what the Father is like, what he is really like. He even told his disciples, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. There's no difference. If you want to see what the Father is like, he said, look at me. And if you want to know what the Father does, watch me. If you want to hear what the Father says, listen to me. Jesus says, I and my Father are one. I am in the Father and he is in me. And everything that Jesus did was an exact replication of the Father in heaven on earth. When he healed somebody, it was the Father. When he blessed them, his father blessed them. When he forgave them, his father forgave them. When he set people free, he was showing us the father and what he's really like. He was saying by these things that God cares, he loves, he has compassion. He's not hard and unfeeling. He's not remote from our suffering. He's not too busy for us. He's not like so many other fathers. He's like the father that you've always wanted. He's the everlasting father. And I don't know what your view of God has been up until now, but is it like that? (laughs) So often 
it's our wrong idea of what God is like that stops us from relationship with him and blocks out the Father's love from our hearts. If you want to know what the Father is like, you need to look at Jesus. Is he like that? Is that your view of what God is like today? He's like Jesus, an exact replica. The name of this king is Everlasting Father. And finally, Isaiah crowns this king with the title Prince of Peace. Prince, not like a king-in-waiting, as we would understand this title. It means ruler of all rulers, king of kings, of peace. And Jesus is the supreme authority in the universe for peace. If there is ever any peace, any display of peace, any resolution of conflict that leads to peace, any experience of peace, it's because of him, because he is the prince, the author, the originator, the enforcer of peace. He rules in peace. He is the peace giver, the peace keeper, the peace lover. This is what he brings when we pray for peace, when we appeal to him who is the prince of peace. But in a world filled with war and violence, it's difficult to see how this could be. There's so little peace in our towns and our cities and our nations. But let me explain something about this peace, because physical safety and political harmony doesn't necessarily reflect the kind of peace that Isaiah foresees. The word he uses for peace is very broad, and it's actually the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord, peace. It can be about societal peace, but mostly it's about personal peace. Jesus describes this on one occasion to his disciples just after they've learned he's about to die. And don't we all need to know peace in those moments when we hear bad news like that? This is what he said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, but it's not like the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You see, the peace that Jesus gives transcends our circumstances and the events of life. It's peace despite what is going on all around us. It's peace in the storm. Peace when trouble comes. Peace when everything is going wrong. Peace. The kind of peace you find at the bottom of the sea. You know, you've got the waves on the top, blown by the storms, but deep down, peace, unmoving, stillness, rest, peace. He rules in this peace because of of this any of his people can benefit from. We can guard our hearts with this kind of peace. We can choose peace when others are completely distraught. We can be at peace when there's bad news, even when others need comfort and are afraid. This peace can be accessed right here and right now. Peace. Doesn't mean everything's going to go well and everything's going to be peaceful, but you can be at peace. That's what Jesus promises. But added to this, there is no doubt that 
ultimately, Jesus being the Prince of Peace will also mean peace on earth. The whole earth in the complete sense. It's what his government of the world will bring because this is how he reigns as the King of Peace. So do you need to know any peace today? Are you at peace? Do you know how to guard your heart with peace? Because the Prince of Peace has a gift of peace for you. Whatever is going on in your life right now, you can feel it right now, just the peace of God has come as I've been talking about it. Just reach up and grab a bit if you need it. Lord, I need some of that peace. Guard my heart with that peace. Just act that out. Take it. Guard my heart with that peace. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus comes to bring light. His presence dispels darkness and obliterates the gloom and gives in exchange his joy. Joy that is independent of circumstances. Do you need some joy this Christmas? Peace and joy come at Christmas. There's a new king amongst us, and he's started to restore order. That's what he came to do, and we know that one day this will be completed. But even today, he still heals people, still sets them free, and brings them into right relationship with God. Because Jesus is good news for you. He's good news for the world. And Jesus can do these things because of who he is. Do you know his name? I don't mean, have you heard the name of Jesus? Do you know his name? Do you live in that name? Do you have an understanding of what it means to inhabit the name of Jesus? Because he is the wonderful counselor, a wise and authoritative king who intervenes in our lives. He is the mighty God. He is super strong powerful hero God who is close to us and responds to our cries for help. He is everlasting father, the protector, the provider, the lover of our souls. He is the prince of peace, the ruler of peace, the bringer of peace, the restorer of peace. He is the peace in the storm. You need to know him like that. You need to know him like that. You know him like that? Now, I wonder what name Jesus has in your mind or in your experience. What do you know of him? Not what do you know about him, but do you know him? Do you know him as your father today? Do you know that he is like his father? When you look at Jesus, you get the father, and therefore there is peace. Or do you need a hero right now? That's the message of Christmas. Jesus comes and he brings his joy and peace.